Welcome to the Hills. If you're watching online, we're a church in Tarrant County with three campuses, North Richmond Hills, West Fort Worth, and South Lake. And we'd love for you to come in person and see us sometime. Uh, a couple of matters. I want to thank you for the support you gave me last week as I had to step in at the last moment and preach for Brandon Watts, who was one of our church planters in Brooklyn. You heard me tell how they had a tragic uh, death in their church. Yesterday, Brandon preached the funeral for four-year-old Elijah. So we're lifting up Brandon and that church. He told his church of our prayers, and I know they're grateful. So be praying for Epiphany Church in Brooklyn in this hard season they're in. And be praying for our church. I hope you will join me the next 21 days, especially as we pray about the launch of the new West Fort Worth campus. So moving to a new campus is a big job. Last week, the vans pulled up, and you can see some of the pictures I took. That's just a fraction of all the things we had to unload. It took a big team. Uh, The halls were lined. They still have a ton of monitors to unbox and put up all over the place. And it took an effort from ministers and others from all three of our campuses who got together to serve. And it was just a beautiful thing to see us coming together. I do want you to notice this last picture. Would you please notice... I'm carrying the big heavy chairs for the big kids and Meyer is carrying the little chairs for the babies because I do the heavy lifting around here and he just kind of coasts. But it's going to be an exciting time. December the 8th is launch Sunday. Uh, Please be praying. We think God has got big things in store. And the reason it's possible is because of your generosity. So because of our courage campaign in the last three years, we funded missionaries and church plants all over the world to the tune of seven and a half million dollars. We've totally built and paid for a new West Fort Worth campus. We have a major renovation of the South Lake campus that is needed. And we've raised a lot of the money, but not all that we need. So our goal for our last Courage offering last week was 5.6 million, 2.6 for mission work, 3 million to finish the South Lake project. Look what we've done in just one weekend. We're already at $4.5 million, and we celebrate that. Our goal is to get to 80% by the first weekend, and we went past that. And here's some more good news. We still haven't counted the online offerings because of the bank holiday last week, put things behind schedule. I've talked to a lot of people who've said, hey, my pledge is coming. We weren't there last weekend, but count on our support. So with all that, the elders got together and prayed and felt like God was saying, go ahead, green light. So I'm announcing right now, we're breaking ground on the South Lake project this spring. And they are excited at South Lake. So be praying about that and praying that all the processes you have to go through with a city to get the right permits happens smoothly so we can begin. So. You ever been eager to leave a place, even though you knew doing so would make the people you love very sad? Did you go off to college and you could not wait to get there, but you knew your mother was going to cry all the way home? Or maybe there was that time that your son or daughter was deployed in the military and they were going overseas and they were so excited about their calling and their mission and you were weeping. Or maybe you sent family off to the mission field and you knew it might be two years till you saw them or your grandbabies again. They were so excited to go and it was breaking your heart that they left. 
Or all of us who are parents can remember it when our kids were little and they didn't want us to leave and go anywhere and we needed a break from them. We needed to go on a long weekend. We needed to go on a date. And so we'd take our kids to a sitter or to a friend's house and they would pitch a fit and cry because they didn't want us to leave. But we couldn't wait to go. Okay. What we've been doing the last several weeks in this series is looking at clear statements from Jesus why he came. But you need to know that Jesus also talked a lot about leaving. In fact, what we call his last discourse, John 14 through 16, a long section of teaching before he went to the cross, 10 times he specifically said, I am going away. Look at one of those times. Now I'm going away to the one who sent me, and not one of you is asking where I'm going. Instead, you grieve because of what I've told you. Not one single disciple wanted Jesus to leave. And not for one single moment did he reconsider and think about staying. In fact, he said in the next verse, it is best for you that I go away. So we need to wrestle with that. That there was something Jesus knew about his leaving that was essential for the kingdom to be coming. And Jesus talked a lot about this in the Gospels. You need to know Jesus was eager to leave. In fact, Knowing that he was leaving gave him courage to go to the cross. In Luke 9, at that, as the time approached for him to be taken up to heaven, Jesus resolutely set out for Jerusalem. He set his face to go to the cross because he knew he was going back to heaven. So when we think about the gospel message we usually boil it down to three words. Death, burial, resurrection. We need to add at least one more word, and that word is ascension. Jesus left. Look at 1 Timothy 3. Without question, this is the great mystery of our faith. Christ was revealed in the human body and vindicated by the Spirit. He was seen by angels and announced to the nations. He was believed in through the world and taken to heaven in glory. You've got to understand that when we talk about the Jesus story and the Jesus message, a big piece of it is he left. His leaving was just as much a part of the divine plan as his coming. And... Can you imagine the reception Jesus got when he returned to heaven? I was on a plane some years ago, and there were a bunch of people on that plane in military gear. And I soon learned they were men and women that were coming back after a very dangerous deployment overseas. And when they got off that plane and walked, there were just a huge crowd of people with balloons and with signs. Their warriors had come home. So when Jesus entered heaven, having battled the enemy, having defeated death, 
having conquered darkness. Can you imagine the reception that he got? Uh, We can read about uh, his ascension in Acts chapter 1. He went out to the country. He'd been resurrected. He spent 40 days teaching about the kingdom. And all of a sudden, he just starts going up into the air. And the Bible says the disciples were looking intently into the clouds and then two angels show up. And I don't want to bag on angels, but I thought one of them asked a dumb question. He said, why are you looking up in the sky? I'm like, duh, Jesus just went up there. Okay, if I'm out on the golf course and one of you goes straight up into the sky, I'm staring. I'm sorry, but I'm going to. And the thing is, watching him leave helped their sadness about him going leave too. Luke says at the end of his gospel, when he had led them out to the vicinity of Bethany, he lifted up his hands and blessed them. And while he was blessing them, he left them and was taken up into heaven. Then they worshiped him and returned to Jerusalem with great joy. And they stayed continually at the temple praising God. You notice that? A few weeks earlier, Jesus talked about leaving and they're all sad. Now they watch him leave and they cannot contain their excitement and their joy. So something's changed. They have learned something about why he left that we need to learn. So that's what we're going to talk about. We're going to unpack. If Jesus said so much about why he came, then why did he leave? And here's the first thing I know. He left to declare his reign. This is big. Jesus did not go back to heaven to retire. He went back to heaven to rule. Okay, his resurrection declares that he's the savior. His ascension declares that he is the king. Now that's not his promotion someday. That is his job description right now. Okay, so in the very first sermon about Jesus after he left, A man named Peter preaches, and I want you to notice what a big part the ascension plays in his sermon. He said, God raised Jesus from the dead, and we're all witnesses of this. Now, he is exalted to the place of highest honor in heaven, at God's right hand. And the Father, as he had promised, gave him the Holy Spirit to pour out upon us, just as you see and hear today. For David himself never ascended into heaven. Yet he said, the Lord said to my Lord, sit in the place of honor at my right hand until I humble your enemies, making them a footstool under your feet. You see what Peter is saying? A big part of the Jesus story is understanding he has ascended. He has taken a place of honor and exaltation on a throne. In fact, the Bible says in Philippians 2, that God exalted him and gave him the name above every name. And the word literally means hyper-exalt. In other words, Jesus was exalted before he came. When he came back after his mission, he was hyper-exalted. Now, the reason this is big, yeah, the reason this is big, is because while we know the resurrection declares that Jesus defeated death, his ascension declares the ultimate defeat of all the enemies of God. Because he's on the throne now over everything. He's on a throne that cannot be overthrown. He's on a throne that cannot be undermined. And because we know where Jesus has gone, we can pray big and bold for the kingdom to come. 
Because he's on the throne now over everything. And you see, we experience his reign as a very present reality through the ambassador he sent us from the throne, the Holy Spirit. Remember what Peter preached? He said the Father gave him the Holy Spirit to pour out on us. In fact, go back to what Jesus said in John 16. It's best for you that I go away because if I don't, the advocate won't come. If I do go away, then I will send him to you. So here's what this means, Christian. This means that you are supposed to be experiencing daily the reign of Christ over everything through the ministry of the Holy Spirit. There's no reason for any person who has been saved by Jesus to be in bondage to any illegitimate sovereign. Jesus is Lord. Jesus is King. He has sent the Spirit so that you don't have to be in bondage to anyone or anything. Ephesians chapter 1. I also pray that you'll understand the incredible greatness of God's power for us who believe Him. It's the same mighty power that raised Christ from the dead and seated Him in the place of honor at God's right hand in the heavenly realms. Now He's far above any ruler or authority or power or leader or anything else, not only in this world, but in the world to come. Why did He leave? He left to take His place on the throne to reign over everything. That means He is over anything that's trying to take you under. So there's a pastor and a writer named Bob Morgan tells a story. During World War II, there was a Dutch family. The father was a pastor. And they felt it was their duty to try to harbor Jewish fugitives. But the Nazis found out soldiers burst into the door, arrested them, put them on a cattle car, headed to one of the concentration camps, jam-packed with masses of people, not knowing where they're going to go. Will it be Buchenwald, Dachau, Auschwitz? All they know is that their future is uh, bad. Separation of family, illness, starvation, death. They go all night on that train. The train stops, they get out, and to their absolute surprise, they are in Switzerland. Because some brave, courageous soul that night had flipped that switch and rerouted that train. And what was headed to death, headed to liberation. Okay, I'm about to start preaching. You ready? So you got an enemy. And your enemy wants to put you in bondage to depression and despair and decay and ultimately death. And you got a king on the throne that can reroute the path you're on. I love 1130 service. 830 and 10, they gave me little white golf claps. You people know how to praise. Thank you so much. This is really, really good news. If Jesus is on the throne, we don't have to live like we're still in a cell. But we got to remember where Jesus is. So there's this professor. He's brilliant. He can solve the most difficult mathematical equations. And the typical absent-minded professor cannot remember the simplest things. The family's moving to a new house. The wife ties a string on his finger to help him remember. And sure enough, after a day of work, he comes back to the old house and he can't even remember where the new one is. He sees a girl out in the street, says, sweetheart, the family that used to live in this house, do you know where they moved? And she just shook her head, daddy, mama said you'd forget and sent me over here to bring you home. (laughs) You see, you have got to remember where Jesus lives. 
Because if you fail to remember, you're going to struggle when you fail. See, that's the second reason he left, to ensure our salvation. Did you know in my 40 years of preaching, the single greatest struggle that Christians have is believing they're saved. I deal with that more than anything else by far. People doubting their salvation. Now, maybe part of it is some of them grew up in churches with bad theology and they never heard about grace. But I think for most of us, it is rooted in the constant accusation of the enemy. Because we're jacked up, right? And so we mess up. And then the enemy shows up and says, you might as well give up on going to heaven. And that's why we need to silence him with a greater word with the word of what jesus has done first hebrews chapter 10 but our high priest offered himself to god as a single sacrifice for sins good for all time everybody say good for all time Then he sat down in the place of honor at God's right hand. There he waits until his enemies are humbled and made a footstool under his feet. For by that one offering, he forever made perfect. Say, forever made perfect. Those who are being made holy. You know why he sat down? Go back and read all the material in the Bible about building the tabernacle or the temple and all the furniture and you'll never find a chair. Because the priest's work was never done. They never could sit down. There were always sacrifice after sacrifice after sacrifice. But the scripture says the sacrifice of Jesus was good for all time. He has made perfect forever those who have trusted in him. And God's exaltation of Christ is his seal of approval on the redemptive mission of his son. So when the enemy shows up, you silence him with the word of what Jesus has done and the word of what Jesus is doing. Why did he leave? Hebrews 9. He entered into heaven itself to appear now before God on our behalf. When Jesus left, it was so he could speak. He left us so he could speak for us. Because we're jacked up and we mess up. And the enemy shows up and says, you might as well give up. And then you say, enemy, I think Jesus is going to speak up. Jesus is going to speak up right now on my behalf. To the Father. One of my all-time favorite illustrations, Steve Winger, student of Texas Tech. He's a senior. Last semester, he saved the hardest course for he can graduate, a course in logic, and everyone knew the final was brutal. The professor said, this final's so hard, you can bring anything you can put on one sheet of paper, eight and a half by 11, to help you. So they all crammed and wrote as small as they could to get as much as they could on that paper. The day of the final came, one student came in with a blank sheet of paper. He put it on the floor by his desk, In came a student who was a graduate in the field of logic, and he stood on the paper and just leaned over for every question and gave the student the right answer. Only one who got an A because he knew to turn to when he had a problem he couldn't answer. You got someone that will speak for you when you don't know what to say. And his name is King Jesus. You got a friend in high places. Why did he leave? To declare his reign 
and to ensure your salvation. And when I know where Jesus lives, it brings me a lot of peace where I live. And it brings me a lot of hope about where I will live. Because he left for one more reason. Jesus left to prepare our home. And so, the longer we live in Christ, the more we learn how to stay in touch with the Holy Spirit and hear His voice. And have you ever heard the Holy Spirit whisper deep in your heart that the world we have now is not the world we were meant for? I've said before, one of the dumbest commercials, in my opinion, was the one where these guys are out in the woods. It's cold. They're wet. They smell like fish. They're going to sleep on the wet ground. They're away from their family. They're drinking brew. And some brilliant dude says, it just doesn't get any better than this. And I'm thinking to myself, I am cold. I'm away from my family. I stink. If it doesn't get any better than this, I'm going to get drunk too. I mean, seriously. (laughs) Listen to Jesus. Don't let your hearts be troubled. Trust in God and trust also in me. There's more than enough room in my father's home. If this were not so, would I have told you that I'm going to prepare a place for you? Why did he leave? Jesus is preparing a place for his people. And Jesus is preparing a people for his place. And don't you think Jesus knows how to get things ready? One of my favorite Charlie Brown comic strips had Linus and Lucy looking out the window at a big rain. And Lucy says, look at it rain. What if it floods the whole earth? And Linus says, that can't happen. In Genesis 9, God promised Noah he would never flood the earth again and gave him a rainbow as a sign. Lucy says, you've taken a great load off my mind. And Linus says, good theology has a way of doing that. Good theology helps you handle the present because it makes you confident about the future. You see, our outlook should be the up look. Colossians 3 Since you've been raised to new life with Christ, set your sights on the realities of heaven where Christ sits in the place of honor at God's right hand. Think about the things of heaven, not the things of earth. For you died to this life and your real life is hidden with Christ in God. And when Christ, who is your life, is revealed to the whole world, you will share in all his glory. That's your future. Set your sights on the realities of heaven. By far the most popular series I've ever preached was over 15 years ago. And it was a series on heaven. And I've had so many requests. And I think the way things right now are in our climate are so stressful. I'm going to redo and preach that series again next year. Oh, and by the way, side note. I just started looking at all the series I have planned for the future and realized I'm going to have to preach till I'm 97. So I'm just letting you know. So the reason this is big is because knowing about heaven doesn't just give you warm fuzzies. It changes your life. It gives you a new ethic. The way I live now is shaped by what I believe about what's coming. See, 
secularism and most world religions just teach that history is just going in these meaningless circles. But the Christian story says, no, history has a very definite destination. We are headed to the universal acknowledgement of the triumph of King Jesus. That's where history's going. Jesus didn't leave us hanging about what's next. Well, and for that matter, Jesus didn't permanently leave us. Look at the next verse. And when everything is ready, I will come and get you so that you will always be where I am. Now, I told you, Jesus was eager to leave. Now maybe you know why. But you need to know Jesus is eager to return. The return of Christ is mentioned 318 times in your New Testament. And that's how we'll close the series next week. We'll talk about why he's coming back. But just a little taste today. We've talked a lot about the ascension of Jesus. But did you know you have an ascension in your future? First Thessalonians 4. For the Lord himself will come down from heaven with a commanding shout. With the voice of the archangel. And with the trumpet call of God. First, the believers who have died will rise from their graves. And then together with them, we who are still alive and remain on the earth will be caught up in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And then we will be with the Lord forever. So encourage each other with these words. That's your future. Ascension. And by the way, do you know who's going to rise first? The people that come to church at 1130 instead of staying home to watch the Cowboys, they're going to get to rise first. That's just my own prophetic word for you today. (laughs) My future is not in the hands of the undertaker. It is in the hands of the upper taker. And Jesus isn't sending some subordinate. He is coming for us himself. Because we mean that much to him. And when we get together like this. We're supposed to remind each other of this story. We're supposed to do more than talk about the weather or the football game or politics. We're to encourage each other with these words. Because life is hard. Every time I hear about another school shooting, my mind goes back to Columbine, the first major school shooting in our country 20 years ago in Denver. And I was in that city a few months later. And I knew that they had erected 13 crosses in honor of the 13 students that were murdered. And put them at a nearby cemetery. And I went there to look at them. And especially I wanted to see the cross dedicated to Cassie Bernal. Cassie had a troubled life as a teenager. Got involved in drugs, made some really bad choices in rebellion. And then a friend invited Cassie to come on a retreat with her church youth group. And Cassie Bernal met Jesus. 
totally changed her life. And in the next 18 months, she became a bold, joyful follower of King Jesus. Her cross was covered by notes of people she had inspired. But my favorite was this. We will graduate together. I promise. Whoever wrote that note wasn't talking about high school. Jesus left us for good reasons. And he left us good reasons to have joy and courage and peace until he comes back. And your assignment is to encourage one another with these words. So let's bow our heads. Thank you, Father, for what you have done and are doing in Jesus. Thank you that right now, King Jesus sits on the throne. He has no rival. He has no equal. He has a name above every name. Thank you that right now, He speaks to you for us and has made good for all time the offering for our sins. Thank you that he's getting things ready and that he's coming for us himself. Thank you, King Jesus, for leaving and for promising to come back. Help us to live with courage and joy and peace. Because we know how the story ends. We pray this for your sake, your honor, your glory. Amen.